After it would be okay, right? Yeah, sure. Well, here we go again. <laughs> Recording again. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. But see, that seems okay. Look at that. Yeah, that All looks right. good. Let's... Then some good so many chuckles are permitted, but... Yeah. Barely laughs. Wait, so let's try laughing at scared. everything. No. <laughs> no, if we all just try laughing at once, okay, let's just see how bad it gets. Okay, this waveform looks good to me. Boner, Ready? boner, boner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, that's that 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 pretty good. Okay, all right. It's okay. a good looking right. app. All right, internet. Here we go. Hey, internet. Welcome to the Indie Game House Podcast. My name is Steve Swink. Uh, with me is Aaron Robinson, creator of the amazing radio platformer handcrafted art game Gravity Ghost. Wow. Hello. As, <laughs> as well as four uh, amazing adventure games that you should look up. DJ Corey Nolan, creator of the Yo, amazing looking growing. Conceptually, I have no idea what's going on with it, but it looks amazing. It's okay, I don't really either. So. Yeah, but, but your art <laughs> style is so rad. Anyway, yeah, it's looking good. And the, uh, the amazing Kyle Pulver, creator of Offspring Fling and Snapshots and yeah. Verge. And, and depicts one in like twenty other really yeah. popular games. He's a real star. Psycho space no or not? Way. We're gonna focus oh, on. Secret one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh right, and I no, should have no. said what I create. Yeah. Uh, so and I'm working on a game called Scale, and Corey and I also work at uh, Arizona State University at a, on a team called Secret Frog Studios. <laughs> we're working on we're working on various educational games. The one of which is Atlantis Remixed. Colon, the doctor's cure. <laughs> the doctor's colon. Uh, that makes it Well, the doctor is trying to cure his colon. <laughs> that sounds like a good album name, too. Those fifth graders are going to love that. Oh, man, we should totally go over our band names. Google Docs. Oh, man. That will take like five days of <laughs> recording. Um, do we have one of those? We, we did some. Pilot there. Oscillator Air is a great name <laughs> for a prog rock band. We had a thing where we were all like recording our dreams at once, it right? abbreviates to Poe. <laughs> no, I think that was I think that was just you. Yeah, it's, oh. it's just the Cory Dreams Google. Cory Dreams are amazing though. I thought we were all gonna get together and like chronicle them and make sure we weren't all having the same dreams at the same time, like some kind of weird horror story. Why would that would be amazing if that happened? Why would we make sure that didn't happen? Um, we could sell the rights to it and become millionaires if it did. So oh, okay. My dreams are all just literal, just like, oh, I ran into Richard LaMarchand and I was telling him about this game I played on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> like, Aaron, that could happen. Yeah. It didn't happen, but no, it could have happened. very pragmatic. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron's brain. You make your dreams achievable, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, you could really achieve your dream. You could really talk to Richard LaMarchand. God willing. <laughs> all right. Yeah, oh, so what are, we, what are we doing this time? So we're going to talk about packs. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going yeah. to talk about Fantastic Fest. Yeah. We're going to talk about fucking Mark of the fucking Ninja, fucking Clay, fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh, yeah, that game. We've all been upstaged. Yeah. Everybody go home. Yeah, you, you can all just give up whatever yeah. game you're making right now. It doesn't matter. It's not going to be as popular. I just uninstalled all of my development tools after, <laughs> after playing that. Or after, like, I haven't played the, it yet. There's like, a, there's like a famous story um, about it's Miles Davis or somebody, one of those really famous like jazz trumpet players. Mm. And... Another trumpet player saw him play earlier and like totally <laughs> shut him down. Yeah. Because he was like showboating. He was like auditioning for their band and he was like, you know, go crazy. And they, they like, to make fun of him, they like took one of the cymbals off the drum kit and just like threw it at the ground and just like everyone <laughs> stopped playing and like wow. laughed at him. And then like three years later, he was just like shredding in a way that no one could. And so the, <laughs> the, the, the horn player from the other band like saw him playing in a, yeah. and this act apparently actually happened, threw his horn off a bridge. <laughs> He just gave up. He's like, like I can, I will never be able to play like that. Was what he was thinking. Yeah. So anyway, thanks, Clay. Um, you've thrown our horn yeah. off a bridge. <laughs> I guess we're also going to talk about Greenlight at some point because like we kind of like missed the, oh, no. we kind of missed the boat on that whole like Twitter bomb that was going off. But like, 
I feel like the internet has discussed this at enough yeah, length. Yeah, that, maybe that's true. We're and developers. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some just like Pixel just came out, and that's like the first green light game ever. So was it really? Yeah, it was the first green light game to be released. Wow. Actually, I just realized, like, we haven't really sat down and discussed Greenlight as a group, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to rehash what everyone has said, but I would be interested in talking about my take on it, because yeah, I, I think it's actually really terrifying. Yeah, I, okay, yeah, oh, so we'll, we'll save that huh. We'll save that for later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess... Now for a commercial break. <laughs> How was PAX, Kyle? Uh, PAX was, was awesome. Um, I um, was there with two, two games this time. Because I had a, we had a snapshot booth and the indie mega booth, and then Offspring Flea was in the Pax Ten, so uh, I almost like died as a result of that. So you quantum tunneled so you could be at both booths at the same time. I wish. Kyle Did both booths have over. booth beef? Um, I mean, I was only at the Offspring Fling booth, so I guess only that one had the booth beef going on. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow, Corey just moved really wow, close okay. to Kyle. That's really weird. Um, he wants to make sure you're not beefing on anyone else. <laughs> Your is mine. <laughs> <laughs> Corey's wasted, by the yeah. way. Yeah. I asked her if she finished her, her glass of wine, and, and she was like, no. And I was like, really? Because your glass is empty. And she's like, oh, I thought you said bottle. <laughs> Just half. She's titty much protally. Fit-shaced. Fit-shaced. What? <laughs> exactly. Jesus Christ. Okay, so tell us more about PAX. What, what was cool? What did you see? What was um, interesting? You know, I didn't get to leave my booth a whole lot. Uh... But I'm trying to think. Like the Indie Mega booth was was cool, but I think it was kind of stuck in the back of the of the main expo hall. And I think it's just because like obviously like the bigger uh, like studios and companies got you know like priority seating or whatever. What do you um, suppose the average PAX conference goer thought of the Indie Mega booth? Do you think uh, they are aware of you know indie games as an entity, like the average PAX person? Mm, I think that that's pretty much what the Mega booth is trying to accomplish. I think is to like introduce people to indie games because a lot of people can find the mega booth if they are already aware of indie games and they're thinking i'm gonna go to pax i want to go to indie mega booth because i follow indie games already yeah so I, I think there's a problem with it trying to actually like penetrate the average pax goer audience mm -hmm. um it is nice that it's all in one spot though i guess it's yeah mm -hmm. um but yeah the pax time was actually right next to it so that was kind of like oh, a good yeah. compliment, and it, it worked out really well for me because I could bounce back and forth between Snapshot and Offspring Fling, um, <laughs> which I did a couple times. Um, you should have pretended you had a twin who was working at the other booth and then <laughs> switched on a mustache. And... That'd been great. Yeah. Oh, man, if I only had time to like think about that kind of stuff, when I was <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like I was thinking about not passing out when most <laughs> most of the time. Um, it's when you pass out. It's when you're concentrating really hard on. Yeah. That. Uh, but yeah. It's always it's always awesome to be able to show show a game off and like it was really different for me because Offspring Fling is the first game I've shown that that has been pretty much my own and not just like and not like a team project like Snapshot so it felt really different for me like even though I've been like kind of doing the rounds of Snapshot at different like shows and stuff it felt way more personal um, to have Offspring Fling be demoable and stuff and like there was a couple of times where like people would, like, be really enjoying the game and stuff. Or, like, the trailer would play, like, the uh, the old-school Super Nintendo uh, commercial or whatever would play. amazing. Yeah. And it'd be, like, a Shout group... out to Kurt. Oh, yeah, Kurt Gardner trailer extraordinaire. Um, but they trailer. would, like, be a group of people, and they would, like, all burst out laughing at the moments that I thought were funny in the trailer. And, like, they're, like those, those moments, like, I honestly thought I was going to cry. I was, yeah. like, I was so... Oh. 
fucking touched. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. just like, I was like, I'm like, am I going to have to like, be like, excuse me, I have to go like, <laughs> play yeah. the game. It's like so much of our work is just done alone, you know, for so many hours in a day that like when it, what you make actually reaches people, you're like, oh yeah, that's what I fucking meant for it to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, it's like, yeah, it's, it's forming that connection, that connection with somebody. Like even when it's just like one person sitting down and playing the game and like, they're smiling at the parts that I put in, thinking, like, oh, this will make somebody, like, happy, or, like, this will make somebody laugh at this part, or something like that, and, like, when they totally get that, it's, like, this weird, like, feeling of just, like... Oh, it this, works. Yeah, like, this person totally fucking gets it. Yeah, and it's, that's like, awesome. And it's, so good feeling. I love that. It's, like, transcendent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like what what I think Edmund was talking about in the indie, indie game movie yeah. trailer, was it was, like... It's like a way of communicating with somebody, yeah. and when they totally get your your game, it's just like this form of communication that transcends just like everything, like talking to them or like hanging out with them or yeah. whatever. That's really good to keep in mind. I rarely think about that stuff when I'm like working on something. It's just like, oh, time to implement another thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> some forgotten reason. Yeah, it's pretty. Well, yeah, when you, when you put your head down for a long time, it's like, I mean, packs for me is like it was like one of those coming up for air moments. Where it's just like, oh yeah, the world exists outside <laughs> of this game, and there's people, and they're playing my game now. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> so yeah, Pax was good. <laughs> I met some awesome people. I met um, the guys that do uh, this this web series called Video Games Awesome, and they used to do a show called Awesome Video Games, which is like a weird like '90s parody, like fictional show about like these two kids playing video games in their in their room and like their dad coming in and yelling at them to take out the trash and stuff it's like really weird shit, yeah. that's yeah. not a friendly dad at all no it's he's friendly dad that's... but then he screams at them to take out the trash it's, oh, okay. it's really funny so as long as they take out the trash they get tokens yeah and they get to go to Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> and they get a Super Nintendo <laughs> but uh yeah wait like, so wait why did they change the name is it because they naively sold the rights or something no it's, be it's because like so Awesome Video Games was their fictional show and then they switched it to uh they stopped doing, like, this fictional show about them playing video games to, like, an actual, like, podcast-type deal where they, like, they just, like, sit down and they're just like, okay, we're going to take an in-depth look at this game. And, uh, and then they call it, like, they just switched it to Video Games Awesome because it's, like, a different show, but it's the same people. It's, like, all the same people. Yeah, that's a, that's a good solution to that problem. So, yeah, we totally, they, they totally loved uh, the uh, 90s-inspired trailer for Offspring Fling. So to be fair, that trailer sense. was fucking awesome. <laughs> we should link to that trailer it's a, yeah, on the we website. Will. I'm yeah. sure we will. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me, is that trailer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's PAX in a nutshell. It's just like insanity. Like, I can't even, like, I mean, hanging out with everybody is really the most amazing part. It's just like seeing, like, you know, like, Mike and Greg and Rami and, like, all these people that, like, you only see them, like, once or twice a year, it seems, or, like, maybe a couple more than that, but, like, you know, every, like, I actually hadn't even seen Dave. Like the snapshot program since last packs. You're a wow. co-developer. Yeah, like I walked into the place we were staying at, and I was like, "Oh shit, Dave! I haven't seen you in a year." <laughs> Just by having talked to you every day. Yeah, like <laughs> conferences are really nice for that because you've been working away at something, and you, I don't know, nothing ever goes into the game as fast as you want it to. But then you like meet people twice a year, and they've got something new, and you've got something new, and it's just like, oh yeah, I can show all this work I've done. Yeah. Yeah, and you want to have something new? <laughs> It's okay, Steve. Atlanta's remix. You're bringing home the bacon. I like bacon. 
That's true, bacon too. Yeah, this podcast get really somber all of a sudden. Yeah, jeez. Um, you gotta do what lo- you love, man. Piano music in the background. Yeah, well, our, our washing machine is playing some tunes. Yeah. It's on spin dry right now. It's our oh. favorite song. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of anything Let's else. Wait for the drop. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Favorite song to play at CrossFit is just mechanical noises of dubstep. If our dryer starts playing dubstep, I will be thoroughly pleased with this. It almost does. (laughs) Just load it off balance. You just throw a couple extra socks. (laughs) Some quarters. Okay. Skrillex. Pardon. We're going to talk about Fantastic Arcade? Yeah, we can talk about Fantastic Arcade. That was the other conference that people from the house went to, although it was just Aaron and I. Yeah. And it was just Kyle. That's half the house. That was Fantastic Arcade. It was fantastic. Awesome. Fantastic. I liked how Austin sounds like awesome. I don't know. I'm probably the last person to remark on that, but I've never been to Texas before, so that was something. Oh, yeah. The food we is... We didn't go to Texas. Yeah, though. Austin is like the, the weird anomaly. It's yeah, like so everybody Texas. told me, but the food is still very much American food, which is... Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's super... I felt and continue to feel terrible from yeah. the yeah. food that I ate when I was... Never like again. Super, it's like Tex-Mex and just like... Pub yeah, food. Tex-Mex. Yeah. My does not agree with Aaron's. <laughs> There isn't a lot of like fantastic steakhouses and stuff. I went to Dallas once and it had some awesome steak. Yeah, I'm sure there are, but we we were pretty busy at the conference itself. Just like there's always awesome independent movies playing that you could go see at any given time. And oh, oh yeah. So like I guess uh, maybe everyone already knows what it is. Most people maybe but, like Fantastic Fest is like the movie event, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this like primarily, yeah. yeah. But it's a pretty big deal for like independent films and even like some big ones. They were premiering Frank and Weenie, which is Tim Burton's new thing. Oh, they, wow. they premiered Looper. Oh, that was like the closing. Oh movie. wow! Yeah, Holy Tim Burton shit, was there. Really? Yeah, yeah, Winona wow, Ryder was there. We saw them go by. Yeah, know. it was really sort of squalid. Actually, it was hilarious. It was like Looper hey, is the one with the with Bruce Willis yeah. and Why, that JGL. That Fantastic. Fest? Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, it was really. We weird. ended up chatting with the guy. He saw us playing World of Goo on the iPad, and he just like was really charismatic and nice. And his Banshee from X Men First Class, <laughs> Caleb Landry Jones. Hey, it seemed like a cool he didn't guy. introduce himself. We just like we're like I think I recognize that guy. And sure enough, yeah. he introduced himself as Caleb. Ah, uh, yeah. And then he complained about having to do interviews, and then we're like, yeah, bro, we have to do interviews. Too. Yeah, man. <laughs> we know exactly what you feel. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly the same. People taking pictures of our pictures of us at restaurants and stuff. <laughs> We know what it's like to have paparazzis swarming all over you. Yeah. Nonstop. Yeah, it seemed like a cool dude. I, you know, we were like, yeah, come by the arcade or whatever. And they came by and checked it out and stuff. So they're pretty yeah. stoked on the, it. The arcade part itself was inside of a bar, like a like a 1950s style bar. It has a bowling alley in it. It has a really dark back room at the stage where they put all these arcade machines. It's really an interesting sort of place. Like Steve and I both gave panel talks, but it was literally pretty much just the bar crowd just kind of talking. They're like, yeah. they didn't even know talks were going to happen and then it's like noon all of a sudden and I'm like, hi guys, I'm Aaron, this is my game. <laughs> yeah, it was, a little, it was a little weird. I mean, it's a great venue for playing games. Yeah. Like if you want to actually sit down and play the games, they have all this Alienware laptop set up and you stick on the headphones and you sit down and you actually get to play the game. And you can play as long as you want. And mm. it's, it's like an actual, it's not like E3 where mm. you're just being blasted in the face by the marketing sphincter of the game industry for <laughs> yeah. 10 hours or whatever. <laughs> Whatever really, volume wars they really have. Really paints a picture. Marketing <laughs> paints is right. Uh, well, that's one of the, that's one of the usually that's usually one of the tough things about uh, like taking your game to one of these shows, right? Is that problem of like I want this person to have a good experience with my game, but the fact that we're sitting here with like giant music, like speakers, like blasting and like lights flying everywhere, like that's not going to be like that's going to like color their experience in yeah, a certain way. Yeah, for sure. So some games show better than others. Uh, Hotline Miami, of course, is mm-hmm. hilarious and great. Yeah. 
Super Time Force, I was terrible at, but I liked it a lot. It <laughs> so yeah, Time Force is interesting. I'm really um, excited for that game. Yeah, it's cool. It was fun. I played through the demo a couple of times, actually. There are dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Right. Your hand's Oh, great. <laughs> Corey's eating her own hand. She's drunk. Yeah. We have to remember to, to speak into our MacBook, because we don't have an actual mic set up yet. Our microphone? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Everybody gets one of those per podcast. Yes. <laughs> There's only one, and then you walk out. Yeah. yeah, you only get one. Then I drop the mic. <laughs> you drop the MacBook. Storm off the drop them. Yeah, You just toss the MacBook at the point. Um, I'm out, bitches. Right, so yeah, so super, super Time Force is super interesting, I thought. Um, when you take Contra and you make it time rewindy, there's a lot of really interesting things that happen. And it sort of like encourages you to die at some yeah. level. Like because but like you, strategically die. Well, no, I mean, you usually die not on purpose, but when you die, you're like, oh, sweet, now I can use that guy that I just died to actually have enough bullets to blow this thing up in a reasonable amount of time. Because the first time you run through, it's tuned so that you have to take forever to go through the level. You can't just like zip through everything. Yeah, I felt like when I played it, like, I was, like, trying to plot out points where it would be, like, good to die and, like, leave a second person there. I don't know. It seemed like it was more about using the special abilities of the character. So, like, I was taking the sniper lady and just, like, blasting everything through the walls because her special attack goes through the walls. Or the guy with the grenade launcher and just, like, lobbing grenades Mm -hmm. over. I didn't find the the triple shot guy all that useful, and the shield guy seems pretty useless to me, although it's probably, like, super awesome. Yeah. Shieldy McBlocker. So, like, there's, like, a way to, like, save your ghost self from dying, right? Or something like that? No, it's no. just, like, it's, like, if you if you reach the point where your previous self died, you can, like, create a save point there. Oh, right. And so you can reload there. from there instead of previously, okay. but it only works once. Okay. Which is an interesting decision. Huh. Is it more like an arcade-style game where it's, like, here's stage one, play through stage one, here's stage two... Like yeah, yeah, style, and like, well, and what what's interesting about it is that so they tuned all the enemies to take a bazillion shots. Okay. And then they <laughs> made the level short, but just like crazy packed full of content. Yeah. So there's all these different paths you can take, and all these things you can find, and all this interesting stuff, and like fucking crazy dinosaurs and awesome animations everywhere. Yeah, I saw some of that at uh, PAX. They had like that stuff like premiering, like all the dinosaur stuff. Yeah. So you saw Zachosaurus. Yeah. And riding <laughs> on the back of the Quetzalcoatlus. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> Pretty bananas. Like, yeah, I think that, that they, uh, Nathan said that that game originally came from, like, a game jam mm-hmm. at Cappy. So, like, I wonder if they're still maintaining that sort of game jam style of just, like, let's just, like, throw stuff in the game and see what happens. I think, yes. Yeah. I think that they have other projects and this is something they work on kind of in the run-up to conferences. Should they just jam on it to get more, <laughs> more content polish? <laughs> Insider information. Oh, shit. Yeah. I hope that's okay. We might have to bleep that out. Oh no. <laughs> Secrets. We should actually just start randomly bleeping random words. <laughs> oh, that would be great. I'm looking forward to Octodad 2, Dadliest Catch. Oh yeah. That was at Fantastic Fest. Yeah. Right? And that was also at um, at PAX. And that was, I think... Shout out to P-Tibs. What would? Yeah, that game is looking really great. And a lot of people are really excited about it. So I hope it... I hope it passes green light. I, I just, I just really like Octodad. Like he's so relatable. Like here's a guy who just like really wants to have it all, and he's just like faking it till he makes it. And he's just trying to be a good guy. Like I don't know. I love the character. Yeah, uh, that's all I had to say. We have our, our special guest joining us, which is a cricket named Jiminy. Uh, uh, actually, he might not be coming through on the mic, but anyway, we have a band pass pass filter for that. Yeah, I can I can get rid of that cricket in the post. But anyway, um, yeah, Octodad is like it's surprisingly like. When I like when I see it and like play it, it's surprisingly like uh, like yeah relatable like like you were saying it's like it's like 
you feel so like heartbroken at the beginning of the game. It's just like this like tragic tale of this dad just trying to make ends meet. It's like, <laughs> and he's an octopus. <laughs> so, you know, he should meet up with the offspring fling mom, and they should, you know, maybe go on a couple nights. Octodad is married. What are you suggesting? <laughs> are you suggesting Octodad cheat on his wife, Corey? Oh, shoot. I didn't know he had a wife. It's a wife and family. It's his whole deal. He's like a, he's like a da- he's like an octopus in a suit pretending to be a man. Right. And he's got to like help his kid clean Successfully the pretending to be a man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Against all possible odds. Doesn't he only have like four limbs though? Or no, they, it's like, two limbs it's two stuffed per... into every okay. piece of the suit, every yeah. armhole. <laughs> I was kind of confused with that at first. No, it's genius. I figured that was the <laughs> Some people think that Dr. Dan is being made a unity, but in fact they've rolled their own. Yeah, it's And they were college students when they started yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, it's very yeah. impressive. It is insane how good it looks for like what I like when I was in college, like I wouldn't be Jesus Christ, I wouldn't even be able to comprehend making anything that that close to like what that looks like right now. Mm-hmm. Like pretty so, yeah. cool. Oh, are we talking about Greenlight now? Uh, yeah, that's true. That was the end of Fantastic oh, Arcade. I mean Yeah, I mean so we we did we played all the games, and then we went and saw a bunch of fucked up, weird-ass, crazy-ass, badass movies. Yeah. We saw a, a crazy Japanese movie called... Is um, that the, the uh, Warped Forest, forest The Warped oh, Forest. Gosh. Forest. Of which the trailer is on YouTube. And yeah, I saw Twitter was blown up about that. It's not safe. <laughs> not, China, nipple fruit. Not safe for work, I would say, right. this trailer, but very worthwhile. And if you can get your hands on the movie, I would recommend it. I don't know how they'd managed to do this, but they made, like, fucked up, crazy vagina fruit not... Like just super gross. It's kind of it's sort of like weirdly innocent in Japanese. I thought it looked super gross from the trailer. I mean, it, it was pretty super gross, but it was still sort of weirdly innocent. Like the the world that that, that movie takes place in is still kind of like a hilarious innocent world where nothing bad ever happens. Like yeah. it had a context and it worked. Somehow. Yeah, yeah. That's it's kind weird. of a background element. The worst problems that anyone has in that world is that they are ten times as tall as other people. <laughs> oh right, <laughs> it gets yeah. pretty awkward. Yeah, yeah. especially when crush, crushes develop. And, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> what else did we see that was really good? Did you see Looper? No, no. <laughs> the lead before Looper premiered. We're still going to see that though, because it has Shane Carruth, what the, was the French primer, movie? as the time travel consultant. Oh. What was the French movie? French. Holy Motors. Holy Motors. Was... Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to like, see a lot of, that's like the quote on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see a huge Frenchman's erection. Coming straight at your face. Wow, in 3D? In 3D. Wow. <laughs> Not 3D. Wait. It wasn't in 3D, but there was oh, definitely man. a lot of erection. Wow. They, I would were, call it an art film, I guess, because I don't a, know what else to call <laughs> it. But it was very good. Boldly erect, where few mm. films dare to yeah. go other than pornography. Erecting a new genre. Yeah. <laughs> Holy <laughs> motors. Not in it, France. It was basically like if, if David Lynch were a Frenchman <laughs> and he made a movie, this would be that movie. Yeah, Coming at you this fall. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not spoiling anything by saying that the the main character becomes many different characters over the course of the movie. Yeah, it's really insane. The Would you say it's a coming-of-age story? <laughs> no, no, he's, he's pretty old. You're yeah. taking it beyond the erection now. <laughs> Corey, you only get one. Beyond the erection. <laughs> you got good name Goodbye, listeners. Oh, Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed our show. This is the end of it. Yeah, yeah no, anyway, we saw a lot of interesting movies. Oh, yeah, if you want to see like a crazy Swedish Coen Brothers movie, not actually Coen Brothers, but in the yeah. style of and very well made, Flicker is, was pretty fantastic. Or Flimmer, as it's called in Swedish. Yeah, Flimmer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I heard that one too. It's like uh, uh, Office Space. With no, Swedes. no, it's way more absurdist. Yeah. It's, it's very Coen Brothers-y. Mm-hmm. It's really great. It was really good. Okay, that's enough movies. A, yeah. Let's talk about Mark of the Motherfucking Ninja. 
You want to? Okay. Has anyone played that besides me? I think you're the only one who played it. I've only watched it being played. I've watched you play it. God damn you guys. Sorry. There's only one copy of it in the house, I guess. <laughs> I just said house very Canadian. I heard that. that. That was fucked in, up. In the game. Happens house. to me too. In the game. House. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, holy shit. That was weird. Um, <laughs> we're, we're it's because I was thinking of Mark and the Ninja. We're all the characters. You. My, favorite part of that <laughs> my favorite part of that game is the Canadian guards. Yeah. We're like, oops, sorry, I heard something. <laughs> Better go check that out. Better go check that out. <laughs> I laughed so hard I got killed by the guards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, okay. Even though, like, Lady Ninja is a little bit Canadian. So, Mark and the Ninja is Tenshu taken into 2D, and it turns yeah. out to solve all the problems with Tenshu... You need to take <laughs> it into two D. It's so good. It's really. It's like the stealth game you've been waiting for. It's so fucking. Yeah, awesome. it looks incredible when I saw it. Cause like, when I first saw it, I was like, oh yeah, like two D stealth game. Like, and I just assumed like pretty standard stuff. Like enemies have line of sight, all this stuff. But then there's all this other stuff going on where like you have like your own line of sight, which is like bananas that they did this. Which is like you see the after image of the thing that you saw last, like over an edge. So like you can't use two D to your advantage. Right. You can't always see, like, the entire screen. You can only see what your character sees in 2D. And there's this really lovely feel when you press yourself against a door or against a grate or something, and you, you get to see what's on the other side of that, but you can't see what's on your side of it now. So it's like you're kind of peeking through to the other side, back and forth. And he, like, physically sticks his head through a little bit, so it feels dangerous. Yeah, it's awesome. It's yeah. really good. It's And it's kind of... The amount of fucking different weapons and different powers and different yeah. states that you can be in. and boldly going where few indie games go oh as far as yeah, content no, and customization so of, of yeah. tech trees. Yeah. I couldn't believe how much stuff was going on when I was just watching you play it. I was just like... Yeah, it's like, I'm a zip line over there, and then I'm going to kill this guard, and I'm like, hang him off a light post, and then it scares the other guard, and that guard shoots the other guard, and, and then, you know. And as soon as you yeah. get comfortable with mechanic, like, okay, I can use my bamboo darts to break these lights so that guards get confused for a second. It's like, oh, wait, these lights are unbreakable. Oh, wait, here's a dog that can sniff me in the dark, so I can't use light to, and shadow to hide myself, and all this stuff. Yeah. Is that spoilery? Well, no, no. No, I mean, those are like mechanics. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty we'll just leave you out. Yeah. yeah, great. But like... Man, like, it, well, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but it was, uh, like, the Spelunky effect is going on in this game, where it's like, right. you're just like, hey, can I do this thing that's really crazy, and, like, but it, it might work in the, in the game, and then it does work, and it's, like, the most satisfying feeling ever, where you're just like, oh, can I take this guard and throw him across the room and scare the other guards into, like, thinking that he's me, and then run underneath him while they're distracted, and then, like, distract the dog by, like, breaking a light bulb above it and tying it up and whatever. <laughs> It's like they made it. They made yes, it all, can. <laughs> all possible. Right. Well, like, yeah. It's it's it to me now. It starts. It's starting to feel like not lazy game design. It's like you take and you make a system that has a bunch of possible overlap states, and then you take each of those states and you make a cool, awesome interaction for it. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of work, and then it turns out amazing. Yep. It's a hell of a gamble. Seems to have paid off for them. Seems yeah, I mean, they do have, like, a... Like, how big is their team? For, uh, I don't know. I mean, I know they have this crazy Cartoon Network animator who yeah. makes everything look amazing. Yeah, they have, like... A, it is a really awesome, like, cartoon style. It looks like you could, like... And they do this with the cutscenes, but it looks like you could just watch a cartoon in the style of the game, and it would be, like, fucking amazing. <laughs> when, you, when you're playing it, you feel like you're watching a cartoon. Like right. Samurai it's Jack. It's so detailed. It's yeah. really polished. There's way more detail than Samurai Jack, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, wonder if point, they, yeah. I wonder if the guy who's animating for them used to work on Samurai Jack. <laughs> Entirely possible. It does have a similar style. Samurai Jack is it's like it's pretty like impressionist though. It's like really with, with the backgrounds and stuff. Yeah, they saved 
money <laughs> and yeah. time by by turning everything. That was before everything was sides. digital. I yeah, think. maybe. So it was around the cusp of everything going to digital. Like right old. towards the end. Yep. Before every, everyone started using Flash and like Toon Studio, whatever the hell people use. <laughs> The feel of it was really weird at first. Like, I started playing it, and the character has this loping walk yeah. where he moves forward at an irregular rate, or so it feels. I mean, he doesn't, right? Like, it's probably the same mm-hmm. rate, but, you know. Well, no, I, I was watching videos of it, and it, he definitely, like, it's like it, it looks like the box is actually, like, moving in, like, waves. Yeah, It's maybe. like he's choosing his steps really carefully or yeah. something. Yeah. But it, and when you first start playing, you're like, you know, this feels kind of weird, but then you're like, wait... This is perfect for this game, mm-hmm. right? The way that you're moving around, and then of course you start, you know, zip lining all over the place, and yeah, doing all kinds of crazy shit. Yep, pretty cool. I just bought all the powers that allow you to kill people from the other side of things. Oh, okay. So I can like hang above someone and like kill them, or I can be in a grate underneath them and I can grab them and pull them underneath, or I can grab them from the other side of a door and kill them in that sort of thing. Hiding, hiding behind a bush. No one here but has bushes, and yeah. <laughs> nobody here but has decorative plants. <laughs> Um, I'm decorate your face with my neck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that game seems like insanity to me. Like whenever I see a game like that, I'm just like, well, that's what people expect now when they buy an indie game. So <laughs> there's that bar. <laughs> we wish it all be drinking. We should all be as drunk as Corey. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty. Sober now. I'm pretty drunk. <laughs> oh man. I learned how to make uh, vodka limes or whatever the hell we're calling these. Vodka limes. Yeah. Well, you take some vodka. You grow limes. And, and vodka. Lime. You put some limes, and then you put some uh, soda water in it. Yeah. And then you're you drinking drink. like a Toronto indie. Sounds, <laughs> sounds cool. Those Toronto people. style. Yikes. Yeah. Our special guest, Michael Town, is back in Toronto. <laughs> we have no special guest. Yeah. Just, you're stuck with us. I'm oh, special. can we talk about green light now? I want to hear why you're scared of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, jump to green light discussion. Mar- yeah, Mark of the With Ninja. No segue. What is what is your final review for Mark of the Ninja, Steve Spink? It's fucking stealth boner. <laughs> <laughs> it's the game I've been waiting for since I fell in love with fucking oh Tenchu. Yes. Five shuriken out of five. Yeah. Yeah, five stealth boners out of shuriken. <laughs> <laughs> there you or have whatever. it, folks. <laughs> if you want your game review by boner, Steve Spink. <laughs> Send review copies to yeah. swink at enemyairship.com. And I'll tell you what kind of boner your game is. We also, I think, I think uh, we all have like Steve at uh, IndieGameHouse.com stuff too. I hope only I have that. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> we I have mean, email I addresses? We all, yeah. yeah. Oh. They, they all just forward to your... Sorry, Aaron at IndieGameHouse, Corey yeah. at IndieGameHouse. Oh, that's cool. That's how you, you contact know you us. Email you us? can also just use the form on the website. But anyway... I don't that? know why I'm talking about this further than. <laughs> That's, okay. That's a good segue. Steam <laughs> Maybe green we light. should talk about how they can su- subscribe to our RSS feeds. Oh yeah. For our Whoa. older viewers. I haven't posted that yet. There's got to be a better way to make friends, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's a good segue to Steam Greenlight because yeah. using a form on a website is a terrible way to get in contact with someone. It's true. Just a way that <laughs> putting your game on Steam Greenlight doesn't seem like that good a way to get Touché. your game on Steam. It it feels like an artificially constructed channel that makes it so that only certain types of pe- people can get their games seen or heard. You know, not certain types well, of people, certain wanna, types of games. Do you want to look at the actual like list of ten games? The the latest list. One of them was Black Mesa, right? Yeah, I think. Whatever. Yeah. You guys. This is our indie game house podcast role. Yeah, we're not using. We're gonna just use. While the you're laptop. searching that, I'm gonna get a cider. Nice. Will it be a hard cider? 
Possibly. Yeah, Wait, this is, no, a, this is our intermission. In a game house. In a game house. In a game. I knew the Christmas carols would come up. We didn't even have to prompt her. She started on the Christmas carols. You didn't answer why. Why do you want to sing Christmas carols? Because it's almost Christmas. It's not almost Christmas. It's fucking September. I know you're Catholic, but how early does Christmas start? Like next week. Okay, so here's an IGM thing. Corey loves Christmas carols. So there's Black Mesa. Brought to you by Briggs Grizzly. There's um, Black Mesa. Uh, I don't. I don't. Even, I don't have no idea what these games are actually. Uh, mm. Cry of Fear. What? Dream. Heroes and Generals. Kenshi. Heroes and what? Heroes and Generals. Uh, no more room in hell. Zombie uh, game. Project Zomboid, Zombie which I know game. of that game. Wait. Uh, routine. So where they lost their hard drive, right? I thought they. Uh, they, that. Got, they got. They got. They, they got their office broken into. Yeah, then, like, I thought they, they gave up on the game though. Did they not? No, no they didn't. They no. just. They were able to recover and keep They going. gave up on talking to people on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, maybe not that bad an idea. Oh, yeah. One-way communication like this is okay. But <laughs> you try to listen to what the internet says and take it into you. Well, no, we, we, we took <laughs> the, the internet's feedback into into account. Like, nobody's playing Spelunky this time during the podcast. And we're hoping there's enough <laughs> less clipping, maybe. Um, so, yeah. We like, didn't turn off the dryer, though. I'm watching it clip as I say something. No, it's not clipping that's, at all. That's perfect. That's, like, perfect waveform. Yeah. Um, you nerds. So that waveform. Steve so I, I, I think I know what you're getting Biting at, lip. Steve. Which is I kind of feel the same way, but I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. If, like, like elaborate further. What's a good way to articulate it? Um, okay, so the way that Steam worked before was that you had a game that people thought was cool and or a good contact at Steam, mm-hmm. and you contacted them, and then they rejected your game. And then you contacted <laughs> them again, and then they rejected your game, and yeah. then you contacted them again. Well, it's not a perfect guess, system. Yeah. <laughs> so if if I guess if anyone doesn't know that story, real quick, like Offspring Fling, which is now on Steam, was initially rejected by Steam, and then uh, later like approved after the game came out on like Humble Store and just OffspringFling.com, and and that was way before Greenlight. So I just went through their email contact. I just like talked with them directly about it. PuzzleBots was rejected initially too, and then they saw it at the PAX 10, and they got in touch with us because they do just want to know that your game is good, basically. Yeah. Well, so what we've moved from is a kind of haphazard, almost like jury system where certain Valve employees look for games wherever out of the bazillion emails they get every day asking them yeah. if they can you know, put this game on Steam. And now we're now we have sort of like an aggregator ranking mechanism, except that I don't know. There's some problems with it. One big problem is that it's a video, not a demo. Um, it doesn't even have to be that, but like people can submit like just like screenshots or concepts. Yeah, and they had to they had to put in like the fee so that people would stop submitting Half Life Three and things like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is so predictable, but. I guess what's terrifying about it is that it feels like the it's even easier now to get lost in the shuffle, and yeah. also I feel like that that necessarily weird games, interesting games like Dear Esther, things like that. So it almost seems like they want a game that has a built-in fan base because that's what's going to get you on the service. Then that you have some kind of active community or people well, who support you. Well, it makes sense from their perspective because now they have uh, you know x hundreds or thousands or whatever it turns out to be because we don't have those metrics votes. For yes, I would buy this game. Like actually, there's, that's what the button yeah. says. Yeah, yes. we actually, I actually, it's a threadless no system. <laughs> like, 
like for the first ten Steam games, they just took the top ten voted games, and I have no idea how many votes those games had. Right, and that would be really interesting to know. So if you're from Valve, contact us. <laughs> um, but but I don't know. Okay, so so I mean, I guess it really comes down to like that Alan Moore quote that Jonathan Blow is really fond of about you know if if the audience were the artist, then they wouldn't be the audience if they knew what they should have okay, if they knew right. what they wanted they wouldn't be the audience they would yeah. be a creator and i kind of feel like if you democratize um like purely democratize which games get on steam by putting them on green light then you're you're solving one problem but you're causing another one because i think that discoverability of weird interesting crazy games is not going to be helped by this at all you're going to improve discoverability of one, people who are really good at making a concept that people get excited about, mm -hmm. and two, um, games with existing fan bases or games that are easily compared to games that already exist. So, Which, to be fair, I mean, those there are there is some overlap there, and like a lot of, I mean, if it has a lot of votes, it automatically has a lot of sale value. But I agree that like there's a lot of, uh, Dear Esther is a great example of like a game that did awesomely and probably would not have garnered that much attention. Right. So it's like you could have a game that looks really cool and gets a lot of votes, but you could have a game that also looks really cool and doesn't get many votes, but that doesn't mean it's not a worthwhile game. It's just like a different, I don't know, type yeah, of fan or something? They haven't said that they're going to you know, fully shut down submissions through the normal channels, but from what I've heard from various people, even really established people are being sent to Greenlight right now. So yeah, if I mean, you submit to Steam, they're just gonna be like, "Yo, put it in green light." So, uh, yeah, like I was on um, the PAX Ten panel, and the question came up about green light and stuff, and something about it. But uh, uh, Doug Wilson, he's the guy that makes Halo you know, Sebastian. Yeah. yeah. Okay. From the Good Fabric. Yeah. So, um, he brought up a point that like uh, that uh, Waking Mars game mm -hmm. by um, Randy Smith and Tiger, Tiger Style. Um, that's on Greenlight. That wasn't approved, like, automatically. And that won an IGF award. Mm -hmm. So it's just, like, that's kind of, that's kind of, like, really weird feeling. Because, like, back in the day, like, at least when Snapchat was in IGF 2009, every nominee got, I'm pretty sure every nominee got an email from Valve saying, uh, we want you on Steam now. Like... Interesting. And nowadays, like, uh, a game that won an IGF award, it still has to go through Greenlight. And that's, like, I think that's a really good example of, like, a kind of a weird game that, like, is probably really, really good, but people are just not going to be interested enough to say, uh, yeah, I want to I buy that on Steam through Greenlight. Yeah. Well, and like I said, I, you know, you're selling a concept when you're selling a game at some level. So, so you might tailor the look of your game and the feel of it and the marketing of it to appeal to suddenly this nebulous Steam audience crowd rather than who you think your players actually are. Or something. Yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like the type of game that's going to get approved by the Steam audience is like, I mean, Black Mesa, and other right. shooter mods. Like, I feel like I feel like it's just going to be like AAA looking mods of games that are shooty, McShooter still. And Although I guess McPixel was not that. Yeah, McPixel was not that, but McPixel also had a huge boost from its Pirate Bay promotion. Right. Like where it the, had a fan base. Like it's yeah, a pixel sorry. adventure game where you kick people in the balls. Right, and like. <laughs> It's See, perfect for Steam. It's a good soundbite. <laughs> yeah, like, it's really, like, I feel like McPixel is a game that, like, I would be worried about on Greenlight, and it got the Pirate Bay promotion, and the game was already out, and that helps it. Like, that's the thing about Greenlight that I'm always keeping in mind, is that, like, you don't need Greenlight's permission to release your game. 
You can no. still do it on your own and then push your green light afterwards. Yeah. Well, let's hope it comes to some good. I don't know. I mean, where, where is uh, Incredipede right now? Because all of you should go vote for Compared. Right. Everyone should like, be voting Close for down the podcast right up, now and go Yeah, I voted up Octodad, too. Yeah, Octodad's on there. Yeah, like, what up Octodad? What up Incredipede? These are awesome games. They're just weird and awesome and interesting and different, and they don't look like fucking Halo. So you wouldn't <laughs> look at them and yeah. if you're average. I mean, it, it's you know what I think, based on what I've seen from the votes, what average Steam voter on Greenlight thinks. Yeah, that was that was really weird. I mean, you, you commented on this, Kyle. You said, you know, a lot of the comments that you were seeing on a lot of the really cool indie games that to us look awesome, they're sort of like obvious slam dunks like Incredipede where things like, what is this bullshit? Yeah. Like, oh, Well, there was a problem when Greenlight launched. Like, Steam didn't really do a good job at explaining what it was to people. They were like, hey, vote for the games you want on Steam. And so everyone was like, I want Diablo 3. And then, so people came to this, like, that discussion forum, like, expecting, like, they can vote for Battlefield 3 and Diablo 3 and stuff, and then instead they see all these indie games that are, like, mostly 2D, like, like most of them have, like, a weird art style, and they're just like, what the fuck is this shit, Valve? Like, I don't want this stupid indie bullshit. Uh, um, but that I was missed all that. That sort of burst our bubble a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. but that was that was actually like a pretty strong uh, like vocal minority, I think, because that was on the discussion forums, and then actually on like the individual game pages, the comments were a lot more uh, like sane. Um, <laughs> nobody was like, I, I don't think anyone was like going to an actual game page and being like, like fuck you, this, we want Battlefield Three on like <laughs> somebody. How dare you not make Battlefield Three? <laughs> it's a positive reinforcement. Well, game at that point, right? Like, I mean, it takes a really strange person to go bad-mouthing a bunch of games on their own pages. Like, people find the time. But yeah, <laughs> I know what you're saying. Sure, yeah. sure. It's just less incentivized. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it just feels like Greenlight is kind of now another Kickstarter. Ooh. Like, it's another really carefully calculated marketing move that it's, you have It's to more make. about the video and the idea. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. weird, man. I mean, like, if you put Offspring playing on, yeah, and or that, Snapshot on Greenlight, how do you think it's yeah, going to Yeah, that's a point that I, I actually brought this up with, um, with, like, my, my, uh, the people I worked with at Valve for the Offspring playing stuff, because, um, we met up at PAX, and obviously everyone, everyone's, like, it was, like, an indie, like, get-together with, like, the Valve people or whatever, and that obviously people were talking about Greenlight, and I was just like, yeah, I don't think that Offspring playing would make it on Greenlight if I were to submit it now. Like, if, if I didn't get in before Greenlight happened, I don't think Offspring would ever show up on Steam. And it's because, like, I'm now competing with... Like, I don't know, it feels like I'm now more competing with other games where I didn't feel like that before. Yeah, you're right. No, the indie community is very much not about that because we all feel like if somebody makes a good indie game that makes all indie games look good, it's like, you know, technically we're competitors, but it doesn't feel that way and nobody talks about it that way. You yeah, know? like, yeah, I mean, we're all in it together. Yes, for sure. So... Yeah, and yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's unclear whether or not Greenlight makes it a zero-sum game if they'll let in one or they won't let in another because one has more votes. And, it, you know, we don't even, we don't know how many votes you need to get in, really. Like, that's not knowledge that we have. Is it, is it like 1,000 or is it like 10,000, you know? Well, like, they're still trying to figure out what, what it's going to be and what it's going to mean, and they're trying, you know, tweaking their system and changing yeah. the parameters all the time. It's like, how, how much time should an aspiring developer put into recruiting those Steam votes versus, you know, doing but other marketing things? I'll I don't tell know. you what, I mean, 10, 10 games being put on Steam based on Greenlight, is that more or less than they would normally do? Yeah, I have no idea. Right? Yeah, we don't know. 
There's just, I wish there was some way we could, like, diverge the timelines and see what games ended up on Steam if we didn't do Greenlight. Like, what, oh, yeah. what would be the difference? We would have a million uses of that power. If well, we... <laughs> sure, but this would be by far the most interesting. Oh, yeah. You totally. leave those quantum dice in their box. They're not to be traveled with. <laughs> yeah, Corey. Like, okay, so, like, a, a cross Corey, you drunk. Put down the quantum dice. <laughs> like, a lot, of, a lot of the games that have been greenlit, or greenlit so far are just, like... You know, there's Project Zomboid, and it's like, okay, like that game looks really awesome. And there's like Town, which is like a crafting isometric game. And then a bunch of them I'm looking up are like, they look like, um, well, one of them is a Half-Life mod, I think. Right. Or something. Well, Black Mesa was one of them. Yeah, Black Mesa. But I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't know. It seems like, I, I'm really interested to see what happens in like the next couple of months, because I feel like the games with the most votes are going to be pretty much of the same likeness and genre. And I feel like the weird stuff is going to get excluded. Like, there's that weird, um, like, visual, like, novel game that came out. Like, and it's, Is that the analog? Yeah, like, and I feel like that game, it, I feel like it did, like, pretty well on Steam. And a lot of people really liked it. It did, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that game, like, would be in the, like, That's true. crosshairs of anyone. Because it has the, like, the look of a Japanese dating sim. Yeah. Know, the developers are from North America, I think. But, yeah, I mean, it... Certainly, the Steam crowd has a certain type of game, you know, just like that they that they appear to be looking for. You know, like you don't yeah. find a lot of casual games on Steam, like Peggle and, and Bejeweled, of course. It's like, I, but mostly they don't, you know, go for the right cute cartoony stuff. Yeah, I, I think that we snuck in. You and me both, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, we got in before before the gates closed. Yeah. Um, and which is, which is like kind of weird that we're saying that because Greenlight was supposed to be the solution to that problem. Mm -hmm. Like Greenlight was supposed to be the solution to the fact that. Valve has way too many submissions that are, like, half of them are not even, like, real games, <laughs> and they have to, there's no way that they can enlist the, the manpower to constantly shift through submissions, so they crowdsourced it, and so... Well, uh, they're yeah. Valve, right? They make yeah. so much money, they could hire a <laughs> team of 200 people to sort through right. the submissions if they wanted to, but that's right. probably... Yeah, they just, they just want to know sometimes. which games are going to be able to sell, then yeah. that's legit, and that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it does make sense on their end of it. It's just, like, it... Yeah, I think the bottom line is that we're all worried about weird games that could have the potential of being really good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Sophie's... Something like Spelunky, maybe. You know, that you need to play it and understand it pretty well before you really start to enjoy it. Yeah, so this is... I mean, would this be solved by having a demo on each I, I feel like, Greenlight page? You know, I feel like before they did uh, the the fee of 100 bucks, I feel like they should have just said, like, we, not, we want playable like, build or something. Yeah. Like, Isn't there some... Uh, I just remember IGF a couple years ago, somebody was saying that, like, unless your demo is really good, you probably shouldn't have one because it might deter people from the game because they think, oh, I've already experienced this. I know what it is. I didn't like it that much. Um, yeah. So, you know, well, so, that asked some interesting questions about what the purpose of Greenlight is because it, it seems to me that, that the purpose... As much as we like selling a concept to people to be a reasonable purpose, uh, Kickstarter certainly fills that niche much better and you could argue that uh, there are very few success stories from Kickstarter as far as products that turn out to be what people thought they were buying into. Yeah, they're kind of buying the dream. Mm -hmm. So that being said, would there be a big problem with just saying, hey, finished games, green light, that's what it's for. Here's a demo of my finished game. Please vote for it. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's what I kind of thought it was going to be about when I first heard about it. I thought it was going to be for people like that were in... My scenario, which was my game is out and available on my own site through a different distribution method, and this would be a way to get an already finished game onto Steam 
uh, you know, that's like an actually tangible thing. Because like, what, what actually I like about it is that the Steam, like the vote on Steam is like a tangible thing. You can tell someone like, hey, go vote for my game on Steam because that actually does something. That's and not true. Like, and not like, oh, go like me on Facebook and go right. follow me on Twitter because that's yeah. just like totally arbitrary. Like, Yeah, that won't possibly turn into money for you. <laughs> right. Like, but it's like, here's this tangible thing you can say to people like, if you like my game, please go upload it on Greenlight because that... It is nice that they have a place to go and that they have a now an audience for that at Valve, you yeah. know. Before, so if, it was just like you could ask your friends to email Valve for you and that's, you know, as much of a crap, oh, yeah, shoot, crap shoot as anything. Yeah. Well, that's probably a pain in the ass for them, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, so what What if they just took and, like, gave you a bar at the bottom and it was, like, a certain number of votes you had to get, like, 10,000, made that, it more like that? They that actually ex- had that at first, I thought. Well, I figured that would be open to exploitation. I mean, you what kind of exploitation? Hire people to vote for you. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, like yeah. buying Twitter followers would be the same thing. Oh, you know what? Because uh, actually, the, the rules work? the rules are yeah, you can actually well, you can buy Twitter followers, but it doesn't do anything. Yeah, it I was just makes say. you have a bigger e penis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so the rules with Greenlight right now are you have to own one game on Steam to vote. Okay. Like you have to have a Steam account that owns at least one game. Right. Okay. So enlisting like a network of bots might be a little bit harder to do. It could still be done. People. Oh yeah, it. it can still be done. Like you. Can... It could, it could still be done, but then it's not a zero sum game. Then it's yeah. not. We're taking the top ten. It's you need more than ten thousand votes or whatever it is. Yeah. So then if you game it, then it's like whatever, and then you actually have humans from Valve who are like, this is, you know, retarded. Whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of something that's not hideously offensive that you, <laughs> the Valve people would catch. If there was, like, some minimum number of votes and then it went into a Steam vetting process on top of that? Well, I think it would just be, like, there's a minimum number of votes, then you are going to be on Steam, but then they have to look over and make sure it's not just, like, horrible. Well, yeah, Valve is still doing that, though. They're not just blindly accepting the top ten. Right. They're still they're still reviewing all of the games that are potentially there. They're, like, it's now the fact is that Valve's queue, internal queue of games is is like a million times smaller because now it's just the top 10, top 20, whatever voted games. Yeah, that must be nice. <laughs> um, oh crap. I had, a, I had a thought like like a few minutes ago. Now I can't think of it. That's why you got to take notes, bro. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we got, so when, if only we got like 10 minutes. Is there anything else we want to talk about today? Oh, are we cutting it off at an hour? I think so. Yeah, I think it's probably um, Shit, I feel like we should have talked about a lot more stuff. <laughs> well, um, we talked about Mark of the Ninja, so that's all that's important. Yeah, I, I, let's see. Humble Indie Bundle? I'm trying to think of... Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Bimble. Yeah, the Humble Indie Bimble. Another successful Bimble. Bimble. Well, relatively successful. What is it? Yeah. At like 2 million now? No, not that high. I think it's 1.5. Yeah, but there's like 10 games in this one. Are there really? That usually... I mean, That's usually what they do. Yeah, yeah, halfway through, they usually introduce a bunch of games. But yeah. I feel like it's like one or two. This is like... Uh, this is the no, remember sales. like the second bundle had the first bundle in it? Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. That's how they roll. Bundleception. Yeah, so it's like 1.6 million. I mean, I feel uh, yeah. I feel that the Humble Bundle's uh, ebb and flow in proportion to how successful the games have been before. Yeah. So, like, the last bundle was comprised of multiple million-seller games. Oh, yeah, the last so bundle was So it was not insane. surprising at all. Uh, yeah, and, and Psychonauts and some of the things you probably wouldn't think of. Right. Yeah, yeah so I guess the big hitter in, in this bundle is Torchlight. I don't have sales yeah. figures on any. It's pretty interesting how people are okay with buying multiple copies of a digital game, you know, as opposed to like you would probably never do that with a physical game. But no, well, I, did, I, did I with used the, to buy. I did with the orange box, I guess. Yeah, but. I used to um, lose CDs 
of like uh, Command and Conquer Red Alert, and I just go buy another copy. It's only be like six bucks at like, Walmart, and I'd be like, "That was a good game." Yeah, it was. <laughs> I got rebought Starcraft three times. <laughs> yeah. I bought Starcraft, and then since I bought it, I figured every time I lost the CD, it was okay if I just. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like, yeah. Grabbed it from my friend the internet. Yeah, mm. with digital copies, I don't know, it doesn't feel like you're losing out if you're buying a duplicate copy, especially if you're naming your own price. Yeah, they are geniuses. <laughs> Need to get in on this Hummel and bundle action. <laughs> One time I had the, this uh, Warhammer game, it was like the, the turn-based combat from XCOM, <laughs> but it was like in Warhammer 40k or whatever, and like somehow it fell off the table and landed on a carpet and shattered. Wow. And like the pieces flew Wasn't all over the place. Was it a computer or something? It was weird, man. Remember when like... we had CDs? Remember we didn't just buy yeah. things on Steam? I remember going to a Oh, party you're talking like... about a CD and not a figurine. I Correct, see. Yeah. I thought you meant a little Warhammer dude. No. Ah. I remember like going to a LAN party meant like picking out my little basket of CDs and bringing it with me. You have computer like, figurines. I've seen them. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. You were talking saying? figurines. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was just talking about how it's back in the day we used to have to carry CDs with you all the time, like you're going to a LAN party. It's like, okay, you I got my. put your StarCraft CD Yeah, in I still whatever. have my CD. It's like, it's got like Unreal Tournament Game of the Year edition in it and like oh, yeah, that's Battlefield right. 1942. You used to need the CD in to actually play the game. Sometimes, yeah. That was weird. Wow, weird. Hello, Cricket. We have to come old. So I guess we yeah, are let's old. see, what was that? So what about those LPs? Um. The Slim Shady LP? How about that? How about that? I bought uh, that on plastic. <laughs> Sorry. How about that FTL? Faster that's, Than Light. Ooh, that's a good game. You know, they've, they've made such a significant amount of money that their musician <laughs> is going to fly here and visit us. Ben Prenting oh, did the music. He did the music for FTL. Is, I don't know. Like, is he going to show up tomorrow? <laughs> no. That's how, that's how I hear about things. No, we just worked this out like, today. He's <laughs> coming sometime in October. Probably the okay. middle. But he's also doing the music for Gravity Ghost, same guy who did the music for FTL, so he's coming here to, to jam. Shit, so now you can and, use that. And then, yeah, the, the musician, musician from FTL. I know, like when I met him, he hadn't worked on any games that had shipped, and now he's like a, a big deal. I don't know. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, he's outclassing me here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was, a lot of people, when that game came out, and it went to like, it shot to like the number one top sellers on Steam, a lot of people were like, how the hell? Like what? Like where did this come from? Because... It, it seemed like there wasn't a lot of, like, people talking about it before. I know. It just seemed like... And the Kickstarter was probably a good indication this was going to happen. Right. Because they yeah. went from ten grand to 200000 Um There's just a lot of interest in that kind of game, I guess. Yeah, if you have it, your niche, then just an audience for it. You just look out sometimes, I guess. It seems like way more than a niche, though. Actually, like... There's a huge demand for that game. Yeah. Because... Like, that I, no one served. Like, I never watched Star Trek or anything, but I hear that that's, like, the Star Trek game people wanted. That that is it's reminiscent like, well, yeah. of that dynamic in the show. Yeah, it's like the roguelike, it's like Star Trek bridge roguelike, where like every time you play is like a whole arc of all of your characters and like all, yeah, I don't know, it's like... Assistant space prostitute in charge of Mantis Men. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, so there was like this secret demand for this game and nobody knew about it until the game was out. And then everyone's like, holy shit, I want, I, I want this game. I want to go to that. That's right. the perfect example guess, of the audience not knowing what they want until they see it. Right. Yeah. That's exactly coming back it, to yeah. the Which green is precisely light. the type of thing that you're not going to get from Greenland. Ooh, that's a good uh, way to wrap I like this up. I know. Damn. Tied it all back together. But yeah, like, uh, I feel like the same thing happened with, like, Minecraft, too, a little bit. Yeah, I was just thinking that. It's like, every, nobody knew that they wanted this game until 
Notch was just like, hey, take forms, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> What's a good name for this? I don't know, Minecraft? <laughs> you mind your craft? <laughs> yeah, and like, it would have been so easy for people to dismiss that game. It's like, oh, it's just cubes, but <laughs> I don't know. I imagine a lot of large game companies did that and then had to eat their words. Well, I remember playing the first demo of it that he posted, and it, it was just the cubes, I believe, and some trees Yeah, you could just stuff. make, um, you could just like, I'm pretty sure it was just like, the room was just like a little castle. And you could just uh, click anywhere to make a cube and then right-click to destroy or something. I think I remember that correctly. Yeah, yeah. And then he added the zombies and that became, <laughs> then it became suddenly much more interesting. And around the same time, like, Sophie Holden made a game about cubes where you'd fire a gun into, like, a bunch of cubes and it would carve out a cavity or you could put a, a wall of cubes. And I was just like, okay, these games are kind of similar. I don't know. They, they registered about the same amount on my radar. Yeah. Sophie's so like, game was quite a bit later. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that was just when I heard about it. I don't hey, know. Sophie, tell us about your game. Should have her on the show. Sure. Um, yeah, we're gonna do that awesome podcast crossover with Terry, Steven, and so oh the God, other indie game house. Yeah. Another Cambridge third edition. indie game house. Oh yeah, bullshit. Uh, indie game Vancouver is starting up soon. Shit, dude. Or indie game, not indie, indie game Vancouver. Uh, indie house Vancouver. Yeah. Shit's that's, happening. That's, that's the. That's right. right. It's the the big cities, the Tempe and Cambridge, and. The- <laughs> <laughs> but we yeah. are the OGs. I think, Terry, true, yeah. the oh, I think it's a Terry house. Oh, well, I think maybe. the Terry house came first. Yeah, but we started the podcast. Oh, okay. I don't know. When did I secretly move in? <laughs> <laughs> Two mm. years ago? <laughs> yeah, you sort of like half lived here for a while. Yeah. Um, That's a whole other story. <laughs> about Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, I hang out, be the I hang out with Terry and Jasper Byrne and uh, all those guys at Fantastic Professor. It was awesome. I, it was fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> I feel like it's like... Now, now, now I'm thinking like... <laughs> Now I'm thinking of like Lone Survivor, and I'm thinking like would that? I feel like that would make it through on Greenlight, but maybe. Well, okay, so horror stuff is ludicrously popular on Steam, yeah, for reasons I that I didn't entirely understand until I watched you know five of my students go completely fucking bug nuts over <laughs> Slender Man, yeah, like. Like oh I bought, an, I'm gonna go to Unity Asset Store. I'm gonna buy an asset pack with some trees. I'm gonna put it in a level, and then you walk around, and then the Slender Man appears. And there's no actual gameplay. You just walk around, and the Slender Man appears. You have to find things. Is that what they made? This That's what they made. And and so I was like, I was like, you know, okay. They they were like going crazy for it. They're telling me about it, and they're like, oh, we're gonna open it up or whatever. And so then the they sit down and they're all gathered around. There's five or six of them all playing it. And then, like, the Slender Man appears, like, you didn't know he was going to appear. Of course you, like, what else is going to happen? Did you open the game called Slender? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, so, and they all, they, like, scream, like, the girl who is playing, like, screams, and, like, everyone Jesus. laughs and goes crazy. Yeah. And I'm just like, what oh. the fuck just happened? Oh, inter- internet children. Oh, God. Well, well no, I, people love their horror, you know? Yeah. Like, they, they were going off about how much they love horror movies and stuff, and I was horror like, movies. I like watching Miracle with Kurt Russell. <laughs> Well, I see it's people talking inspiring. about it. They're like, they're like, oh man, I played Slender today and I saw him twice before I got too freaked out and I closed it. And this is like, god damn. <laughs> Have you well, seen yeah, the version? Amnesia, Lone Survivor. Uh, so I didn't know this and I played through the entirety of Dear Esther, but there's actually ghosts in the game that yeah. are very far away and you have to really be knowing what you're looking for before you see them. Because there was a couple times when I was like panning and I was like, was there a person in that cliff? But then they weren't there anymore. See, that's awesome. The, yeah. yeah, no, that was really unsettling. And actually somebody... Like, put it went into developer mode, I think, and they flew around so you could actually see the ghosts, and it was just kind of like, you know, broke them because they're not really that. They're just scary blocks oh, yeah, with yeah. eyes that are lights, you know, so. That's really that was cool, a really though. great touch, and when I played Dear Esther, I was scared shitless because I, I thought it was a screamer the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it certainly <laughs> feels like it could be. It was, I think it, you it was see it, and it's gone, and it's like it appears in your face. Yeah. Just, just wait for uh, 
Machine for Pigs, is that what it's called? The new Amnesia oh, the, game, yeah, which is, Amnesia. is a crossover with Chinese Room. The... Nope, I'll be watching someone else play that <laughs> and not I tried, I tried to play Dead Space, and then I had to have Aaron there with me, yeah. and I had to have the lights <laughs> you were, on. You were very scared. But it was too scary, so yeah. then I turned it off, but she went to Wisconsin, and I couldn't play it. Oh, Jesus. You know what work. was really scary? I had to work. The equip delay, that was the scariest oh, part. <laughs> well, it was funny watching you play that because you'd be narrating the whole thing like, oh, that guy, he looks dead, but he's not dead. This is the time when they're going to introduce that the enemies can look dead. They're not dead. Oh, he's not dead. He's killing me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still, it's still scary. Even it's you still know. scary. Yeah, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like you're walking down a hallway and then there's like a noise to your left and you're like, I know when I look, the fucking monster's going to appear right in front of me. Yeah. I know what's going to happen. I know what you, I'm on you there. Yeah. Developers. No, that was the same thing that happened when I was playing Amnesia. It was like, yeah. oh, oh, good. I'm on my side with the shader effect now. Yeah. I guess that's scary. Okay. I liked, um, I think the last scary game I played was Fear, like back in 2005. That's apropos. Yeah. It was like. That's an acronym. But they kind of did that thing where, like, acronym you would see the, see the ghosts out of the corner of your eye and, like, like mess with you and stuff like that. But they would do that same thing where, like, all the lights would go off and your radio is, like, staticky. And I'm just like, oh no, they're gonna just look scary. I don't want to look. I like my, my point my character down to the floor, and I start walking towards the floor. I'm like, I'm not gonna look. <laughs> you can't make me look. I refuse. <laughs> I cannot. I don't enjoy those games. They're too. They're too freaky. I enjoy my sleep too much. I really like them because they're like they. It's really hard to get the same feeling of like absolute intensity. I actually couldn't even play the demake of Silent Hill that somebody made for that <laughs> Tech Source competition. That was Jasper. Jasper, yeah. yeah. Soundless Mountain for yeah. Silent Hill. And it was just pixely. But he made it amazing. It's like atmospheric. There's like Oh, is that fog. where Monster Vatter came from? Probably. Yeah, he did he did Silent game. Mountain and then um, Soundless Mountain. Soundless Mountain Man. <laughs> um, and then yeah, I think he moved he was like I don't know if he already wanted to do a horror game before that, but um, there's probably a lot of similarities between the two. And just like roll it into his own his own thing. Although Lone, Lone Survivor was in was in like a work in progress for a long time, as far as I know. Yeah, it was on the the indie forums. Yeah. It's super secret. Okay. You're not supposed to say that. This is a not at all secret place that no one knows about. The okay, secret time indie to, cabal. Time to cut this right. Yeah, we gotta stop talking now. Oh God! All right, it's been an hour. We love you, internets. Thank you for listening to our long podcast. I hope it was soothing. I hope we didn't complain too much about things. <laughs> no, I, I'm pretty sure we just talked about how awesome Mark the Ninja is oh, for okay. like an That's hour. Great. Hope we're not blacklisted from Greenlight. So I have. Oh, we've already got, we got blacklisted from Microsoft last episode. Greenlisted. Oh, that's right. We we've alienated Microsoft. Yeah. That is. It's okay. Microsoft is a dying mammoth. We are not savvy. <laughs> we are out. not savvy business persons. <laughs> right. Is what's going on here. We'll hire PR. Don't savvy worry. business persons. Can we edit this? <laughs> edit what? Maybe. So I have one more. Uh, oh, I swallowed a bug. Completely tangential anecdote to add here. Um, so the last time we put out a podcast, my friend actually messaged me and was like, "Oh, hey." You guys are doing podcasts, too. That's funny. Apparently in Baltimore, they're also putting on um, some pretty awesome uh, Baltimore game dev-related podcasts. So my friend Chonster and others can be found at uh, BaltimoreGamer.com doing their basement game dev podcast. And they have a lot of interesting stuff going there, too. It's called Hope I Don't Get Shot Games. <laughs> <laughs> Raven's edition. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much all you do in Baltimore, so... so I they're they're yeah. only in the basement. We have a whole house. Yeah. That's, that's our advantage. We even have a wall. Yes. <laughs> we have more they than have one a, wall. <laughs> a game developer's basement, but we have a house. But they have a pretty cool podcast, anyway. Just giving a shout-out. 
If you like hearing people's voices on the internet, you should check them out. If you made it this far, you probably do, so <laughs> that's yeah. a good mention. You're probably y'all. working on your indie game right now, yeah. actually. Sing, sing us out, Corey. Let's give us a Christmas carol. I don't... Oh, shit. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> Yo, hit me up next week, bro. We'll have a Christmas carol. <laughs> next week will be the Christmas oh, edition. Man. Oh, we're going to do this weekly? That's going to be good. All right. Indie game house. Indie game house. Indie. Replace with actual music. <laughs> Beep. <laughs>